pictures forming. When, a, when a, you hear the word test, what do you hear? Most students hear test in school. We all hear that. You remember that math test, that history test, that all of a sudden that came up. When you hear the word trial, you think of a legal trial, that somebody is in a court of law having to prove that they are well, you, you prove that you're guilty, but you're innocent before you're proven guilty. But you're in the court of law proving that you are innocent of something that has happened. And a temptation is something that you're being tempted to do. Now, what I think about temptation or what I thought was funny about temptation is we're never tempted to exercise every day or eat green vegetables. Never. Whenever you say to yourself, wow, I'm so tempted to go to the gym and work out. I'm so tempted to go home and have that great green salad, right? Nah, we're tempted to go home, sit on the couch, and eat a Twinkie for breakfast. That gives you some idea that these words already sort of define themselves. Just think about it. Like I said, I thought about that. I said, am I ever tempted to just do good. But if you're tempted to do good, you call it something else, don't you? Because whenever you're tempted, it's never to do good. So therein, right there, tells you temptation's not a good thing, you know? But in some cases, the Bible, um, the Bible is very careful where and how it uses these words. Because if we want to be proven for God, we need to understand what we are to do when faced with these three T's. That's another way you can remember them besides tests and trials and temptations. Oh, my. They're the three T's. The three T's. Now, though, look at this. For example, Matthew 6.13 of the Lord's Prayer says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right. And James 1.13 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. I don't know about you, but I'm confused. I'm confused. Matthew says, lead us not into temptation. Now, this is the Lord's prayer, Right. Everybody knows this. Even, you know, people who don't go to church that much, they know the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer that we're supposed to say to the Lord. So if the Lord is the subject of the prayer, then in this case, when it says, do not lead us into temptation, we're thinking, okay, Lord, don't lead us into temptation. This implies that he can. But then James says, let no man say that he is tempted by God. If I didn't know better, I think God was bipolar. I think he was either bipolar or schizophrenic, right? But I know better. And all of you know better, right? So there's got to be something going on here that distinguishes this. And the and really what's going on is, like Pastor always says, you got to dig into the word. If, if, if the word seems to contradict itself, then the word's the one that's got to uncontradict itself, right? So we've got a little bit of a dilemma here because it says that 
Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. But then we had, Lord, lead us not into temptation. What's going on with that? All right. So I said to myself, I said, okay, first, let's determine where do these three T's come from? Where are they coming from? According to the word of God, tests and trials come from the father, God, the father. Genesis 22, 1, it says in 22 and 1, and this is Abraham. He says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. It says right here. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. It doesn't say that God tempted Abraham. It says God tested tested Abraham. And if we go back to our definitions of the testing, it's that test is a critical examination or an evaluation. So God in this case wants to examine Abraham. All right. So that's how we know where they're coming from. If it's an examination or is it an evaluation in James one twelve. It says that blessed is the man who endures temptation. All right. Here we go. Now, it doesn't say that this temptation is coming from God. But it does say blessed is the man who endures temptation. Jesus Christ was tempted. So before you think, <laughs> I can't be, huh? Yeah, you can be because Jesus Christ was tempted as well. So temptations are coming, but it says blessed is the man who endures temptation. Let me tell you a secret. When you see blessed in any way, shape or form, you know God is at it because Satan ain't, ain't looking to bless you about nothing. But it's saying endures temptation. And then it goes on to say, for when he has been approved. See, God is about testing to show that you are either proven or approved. So whenever you see that it's looking for an approvement here, you're going to know that this is all about God. Because God is trying to show you out. Not to himself, but to the world. See, this is one of mine. This is what I can do with a life that's given to me. It says he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. First Peter one, starting in verse six, it says in this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you be grieved by various trials. Trials come from God. Tests and trials will come from God. And it says that you're going to be grieved a little while. Now, a lot of times we don't know what a little while is. You know, for some of us, a little while is 30 seconds at more than a minute. And we are really trying to get out. You know, God's little while and our little while is usually really, really different. You know, like, you know, Paul, you know, Paul says, I've learned to be content. And he's rocking around in, in the deep, you know, but. But I'm good. I, it's all good. I'm in chained to a wall. It's all good. You know, I've been beaten. You know, I was cast out of the city. But it's all good. It's all good. So 
It says that if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, if need be. And in some cases, it needs to be. Verse 7, that genuine, the, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what they're for. That's where they come from. Tests and trials will come from God. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. We get trials and tests and we go, what have I done? What's wrong? Well, nothing's wrong. Just think to yourself, hey, I belong to God. Glory be to God. We've got to grow to that point. We have to grow to the point where when tests and trials come our way, we are able to rejoice and to say, I am being proven or approved by God. I am being evaluated by God. Amen. We need to do that, but we don't. We, you know, because it's uncomfortable. You know, Paul talked about the trial that was the thorn in his flesh. You know, it bothered him. These things bother us because it's all about our comfort after all. It's all about, you know, making it easy for me. Well, you know, I asked the Holy Spirit one time, could you please find in the book? Or I said, why isn't this easy? And the Holy Spirit said, please find in the book where I said it was going to be. That ends usually the discussion there, except if I'm being hard-headed about something. And then I got to go, you know, and start searching, you know, get out all my study tools, you know, my dates, you know, and, 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 and my quick verse and see if I can find it somewhere, knowing full well that it's not going to happen because it just doesn't work that way. Now, look, let's look at where temptations come from. Just by their very definition that I've given to you, we know that temptations are not a good thing. All right? And we know that things that are not a good thing don't come from God because it says all the, the, the good things, it says all good things, perfect gifts come from the Father above. So Satan is one of the persons or spirits that brings temptation if we go to matthew 4 3 it says now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command that these stones become bread all right so the tempter came and brought temptation so we know that satan will bring temptation mark eight eleven says Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But actually, temptation should be the word there because temptations come from men. Oh, come on. Come on. You know, your mother's not here. She's not watching. Come on. Let's just do this thing. You know, nobody's watching me. What is it going to mean if everybody takes pens from work? (laughs) Everybody takes stuff. This stuff is there so you can take it. 
You know, yeah, your parents said you shouldn't have any company, but they ain't home. They won't know I was even here. Let me in the house. Amen. So men can bring on temptation. And of course, last but not least, is self. Our own lust, as James 1.14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Your own, my own desire is to go home and veg out on the couch versus, you know, the Lord saying, go and call sister so-and-so and find out how she's doing. Or I'll call her later. I'm just going to lay here on the couch for a minute. Twelve hours later, you wake up and you haven't called sister so-and-so. So we are led away by our own selfish desires or our own desires. Temptations come from that. So we now know from whom temptations will come. They will, or temptations will come from Satan. They come from other men. And they come from our own selfish desires. Tests and trials come from God. Anybody see an imbalance in this? When I was pulling this together, I was like, God won, temptation three. That seems awful heavy on the scale to me. But aren't you glad our God is greater, that our God is bigger, our God is more powerful? Yeah, it might be three to one if it was you and I, but because it's God, that one is more than sufficient. Amen? Amen. Now, why do the three T's come? Why do they originate? What is their purpose for the three T's? Tests and trials come to determine if we understand what has been revealed. You know, the reason you received, you had a test in school is the teacher is testing your knowledge. Whether or not you understand what she spent the better part of eight hours teaching you whether you got it or not. Well, that's why tests and trials come so that you can see whether you got it or not. Amen. And as I began to think about people in the Bible who either got it or didn't get it, I decided I was going to go with those who got it. Now, they didn't always get it right away. The first person I thought of was Joseph. Joseph never stopped doing what he had been taught to do, even though he was the chief slave, he was the chief prisoner, he was the chief in the really low rungs of, of the man's house. But Joseph never stopped doing what had been revealed to him. So he got it. He got it. Moses. Now, Moses, you know, he was it was revealed that Moses was supposed to be the deliverer, you know, and he went out and he tried to do it his own way. And the people were like, you know what? No. So he ran away and he spent time in the desert and or in the wilderness. But once Moses got it. He never lost what was revealed to him. So the test and the test came from Moses. You try standing outside your tent with millions of people fussing at you. A whole group grumbling and and just carrying on. Got you so frustrated you hit the rock twice. Now you can't go in the promised land. That's how frustrated you are with them. 
But he never lost through all the tests that came his way, tests and trials. He never lost what had been revealed to him that he would be the deliverer of Israel. David, crowned king, spears coming, chased through the hills, living in a cave. Now, like I said on the opening a couple weeks ago, he crowned king living in a cave. I don't know about you. If I'm king, I'm looking for a palace. I'm looking for some slaves. I'm looking for, you know, to clean the house. You know, I ain't looking for the cave and sleeping on the rock and in the dirt and fighting every step of the way. But David never lost sight of what had been revealed to him, that he was the king. Even when he had a chance to be tempted To kill Saul, he never lost sight of what he had revealed to him, was that that God had put Saul in position as king. So the tests and trials are going to ask the question, did you get what was revealed? Have you gotten who you are in Jesus Christ When the test comes and say, you've lost your job. Have you gotten that revelation of Christ as the provider that will manifest himself physically for you? Have you gotten that he's the healer when you're not feeling well? Have you have you gotten it? That's why tests and trials come is to see whether you have What's been revealed? Joseph and Mary, two teenagers living in that time and that day and age. It's been revealed. She's going to have a baby. And he's supposed to marry her. They never lost sight of what was revealed. And they did what God instructed them to do. And it couldn't have been easy, you know, because we thought about this and we talked about this, about that day and age and that culture and what those two kids, because literally that's what they were, the pressure that those two kids were under at that time. Tests and trials are there to evaluate and to prove how you doing, how you doing. And Therefore, our benefit, God knows how we're doing. He wants to show, okay, you either got some work to do or you got this one handled. Praise God. And then we can celebrate. Amen? Amen. So, so um, that's why tests and trials come. Do we trust him? Genesis 22 is, again, the story of Abraham and Isaac, and he takes Isaac, and we all know this story very well, is that he takes Isaac up into the mountains. But it says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Will you trust him? Your only begotten son, your last five dollars, your last tank of gas, your last rent money. Will you trust him? Abraham takes his only begotten son. He doesn't take Ishmael. Many of us would say you need to be taking Ishmael up there on that mountain because, you know, don't take Isaac because he's the son of the promise. He is your only begotten son. But no, he takes whom God says for him to take. Amen. And then in, let's see, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Will you trust him? Because it says he is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So if, guys, if you are being pressed and tempted and it's... Understand that it is not beyond what you are able. The word is very clear here, and it says he won't allow it. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to trust him? I know some things will happen in families. You know, that's usually what gets me is my, is my family. Something's going on with my family. And all of a sudden, all I want to do is stay in my house. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to go visit them. I don't want to, oh, okay, my mom probably won't get this. Okay, I don't want to go visit them. I don't want to talk to them on the phone. I don't want to see them. I don't want to do nothing with them. And the Lord will say, go see them. And I'll be like, you don't understand what's going on down there. That's my, always my first thing. Lord, you don't understand what's going on down there. And the Lord be like, I know exactly what's going on down there. Go down there. And I go, not again. Not, I just can't take anymore. Well, this verse says, yeah, you can, because he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able. And on top of that, he says, with the temptation, we'll also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, my escape is, well, Lord, I'll just stay in my house. <laughs> but that's not it. That's not the escape when he's telling you, go visit. Go be a blessing. Go be the peace that I've called you to be. Go, to, go take my joy. Amen? Not stay in your house and turn on, you know, Nick at night, you know, I want you to go visit. I need you to go out there. Amen. So this verse is telling us exactly that God is faithful and we need to trust him. To be approved by God. James 1.12 in the Amplified says, blessed, happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation for when he has stood the test and been approved he will receive the victor's crown of life which god has promised to those who love him 
So if we stand up under the test, if we stand up under the trial, then we are showing that we are approved. We are approved and we've been proven by God. Temptations. Why do temptations come? Temptations come to challenge God. If we turn to Luke 4.13, I mean 4.3, sorry, Daryl, 4.3, it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in, the, in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for their for for their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Okay, where does my, okay, 12. <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And 13, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time to challenge God. Temptations come to challenge God. The God in you, the word you have in you, it isn't about you, it's about God. That is why you are being tempted. So again, here's a time where you can rejoice. Yay, yay. Because you are being tempted because you've got word in you. Now, I'm going to jump here into a personal story. And I call this story the vegetable shredder. Jeremy's heard this story. Phyllis has heard this story. So it's called the vegetable shredder. On Facebook, I was looking at Facebook, and Dave Husky's wife talked about shredding zucchini using a vegetable shredder, and how good it was, that it was just a great meal. Again, tempted to just eat zucchini, right? Raw zucchini, little less. This isn't even cooked. It's raw zucchini. All right. So I go, wow, that does look good and sounds like a great idea. I like zucchini. Life is good. I go out and I buy a vegetable shredder. There's my kitchen gadget number 3001. All right, Mr. Keith should get a kick out of the shredder part. Anyway, I buy the shredder. I get the zucchini, put it in the shredder, and I start shredding. And it doesn't work exactly as I think it's going to, but I get shredded zucchini. So I put a little pepper, a little salt, a little balsamic vinegar, and I eat it, and I went, this isn't very good. And then the shredder didn't work very well. I went, I'm taking this thing back. 
I'm going to get my money back. I'm taking it back. So Miss Gladys has heard part of this story, too. Anyway, so I clean it up because I've used it. I've cleaned it up. I clean it out and everything. I put it back in the box, and I take it back to Kitchen Capers. All right. And I walk into Kitchen Capers. I've got it in the bag. I've got the receipt. And I said to the woman, I want to return this shredder. And she says, was there something wrong with it? And I was like, no. And she says, did you put food through the shredder? And I acted like I didn't hear her. I told them I did my Stevie Wonder imitation. And then somebody asked me a different question, and I chose to answer that question. I never did answer, did you put food through the shredder? They gave me my money back. I walked out the door, and the Holy Spirit went, you never answered that woman. Go back. I jumped to the mercy side of God immediately. Lord, protect me, because I'm not going back. All right? Tempt you to do evil. Amen? And instead of rejoicing and going, oh, I'm being tempted for the word in me, I go, Lord, have mercy on my soul, because I'm not going back. However, however, the Holy Spirit's not letting it go and is not leaving it alone. I was in church that Sunday and the Holy Spirit was just all over that thing. You and all the Holy Spirit kept saying is you never answered the question. You never answered the the woman's question. And, you know, and then, you know, I was like, well, you know, just have mercy on me. Okay, forgive me. You know, I'm going to jump to the forgiveness side. You know, but then I had to backtrack through something. I had asked God one day. We were talking about positioning. Where you are you positioned for his favor? We had talked about position. And I said, you know, Lord, make me know whether I'm positioned for your favor. So guess what? It was like, you're not quite positioned here. If you want to be positioned, you need to go back. And that Sunday, I was talking with Miss Gladys, and I said to Miss Gladys, I am so busy going to Kitchen Capers, I'm leaving now. I could barely sit still in service. And then I realized I didn't have the receipt. So I was like, I got to go back first thing Monday. I got busy Monday. I was like, no, I need to go to Kitchen Capers. You know. So I go over to Kitchen Capers, and I walk in. I got my receipt. They've given me my $21. You know, and the other thing was, you know how the Abraham says to the king, never let it be said that you, the king, has made Abram rich. That came up. I was like, Lord, this is twenty one dollars. What do you mean? Don't let kitchen capers make Ethel rich. Twenty one dollars. Come on. You know, I'm still on the mercy side going. I don't want to go back. But so anyway, I go to kitchen capers and I walk in and I say to the lady, I was here. I returned a shredder. I just need to let you know I put food through the shredder and the lady just kind of looked at me she goes wait a minute so she goes and she gets the manager and she goes this lady has something she needs to tell you i was like and now i gotta repeat it you know it was hard enough getting it out the first time but now i gotta tell it again so i said to the lady i put food through the shredder she goes she's another one looks at me goes she goes how wonderful you came back she goes You came back just to tell us that? I was like, absolutely. 
So then now I got to explain. I'm a born-again believer. You know, I'm living my life. I mean, I got to give it all. Like, you know, the woman with the issue of blood. I got to give I got to tell it all. So she goes, oh, yeah, that's the shredder that was broken. I went, is there anything you need me to do? She goes, no, we're fine. I walk out the store. I say to the Holy Ghost, it was broken? You put me through this and it's broken? But the Holy Spirit was like, that's not the point. That's not the point. One thing was you needed to be obedient to what I told you to do. And the other thing is you needed to correct that so that you are positioned. You are positioned to receive. You're positioned. You're approved. Amen. So what I did was I demonstrated to the manager and kitchen keepers that a believer is going to come back. Now, what really should happen was the believer should have answered the question right the first time, but that's for another teaching. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just like all kinds of stuff were just going on in there, and I wasn't doing very well in them. But I eventually got it together. And, you know, it's it's funny, and that happened. And it's weird that we tend to connect the dots sometimes and they shouldn't be connected because I, you know, you can think, okay, if I don't do this, a bunch of bad stuff is going to happen to me. If I do this now, a bunch of good stuff's going to happen to me. Well, I did all that and my top got cut. You go figure. But I am rejoicing in the fact that I did what I was supposed to do. I was obedient when, when the Holy Spirit said, you need to go back and fix that. You never answered that question. Because, you know, then it was, well, I didn't lie. <laughs> Mere technicality here. Yeah. Yeah, I really did. I acted like I didn't hear the woman. I went. And I waited, and somebody else asked me another question, and I answered that one. I never got back to the first one. Amen. So, again, <laughs> temptations come to challenge God, to challenge the word that is in you. Temptations also come to entice us into sin. James 1.15 says, Lust, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when is full grown, brings forth death. The message says... Message says, lust gets pregnant and has a baby. And the baby's name is sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. Is how the message Bible puts it. So that's why temptations come to entice us into sin. And when we're enticed into sin, you know, then the devil goes, hey, See, and it also, and I may be getting ahead of myself, a result of that is that it has a tendency to separate us from God. And when you're isolated and separated from God, you are fair game. You know, you're like bait or as you're chum to a shark. Okay, the results of the three T's. Test and trials, the results in test and trials is patience. James 1.13 says, 
Oh, no, one, three. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience is a result of a test or a trial. All right. So so we can get that a closer relationship with God. Is the result David in Acts. Thirteen twenty two. it says there that and when he had removed him, he raised up from Dave, he raised up for them David as king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. So it gets us closer to God in James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So when we pass tests and trials, then we get closer to God. We gain patience. It says we gain a victor's crown. So there, so just think of this. As the tests and trials come, your crowns kind of stack up. You know? Okay, I passed this test. I got a crown. I passed this trial. I got a crown. You know, you could be walking around like this here. You know, you know, you ever see those those cartoons where the guy's got all the plates or hats on his head and he's trying to keep them all up? That's what is going on. You're adding to your crowns as you pass these tests because it talks about a victor's crown. So every time you're victorious, you get the victor's crown. Amen. It refines you. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's to try you, to try you to see, see, you done yet? <laughs> you done yet? Are you done yet? You, like you poked the cake? Is it done yet? Yeah, are you done yet? How are you approved? All right. Um, It says in Zechariah, I will bring the one third through the fire. We'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. So the result of it, of your testing is that you're refined you know, and it talks about this gold that it's so refined that you, it's like a mirror that you can see yourself in it. That's the refining that goes on. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. So that the results of the test is refining of you. That God says, you're my people. And you say, you're my God. Amen. Amen. Now, temptation has its results, too, as we find out. One of them, unfortunately, or fortunately, is sin. James 15 says, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And I read it in the other in the message is that it has a baby. Baby is sin. Baby has a name. 
James 15. Oh, I'm sorry, 115. I'm sorry. I left off the chapter. I left off the chapter one. And if you, and oh, I'll get to that. Okay. It's 115. Sorry. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So temptation results. One of them is sin. The next one is separation from God. Genesis 3, 8 says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They separated themselves. Yeah, like that was going to help. Like he didn't know they were hiding in the trees. Like he doesn't know when we're hiding from him. Yeah, because of sin. He's used to you coming in prayer. He's used to you coming in praise and worship. And then all of a sudden he goes, huh, I haven't seen them in a while. They haven't come into my presence in a while. Sin will separate you. Temptation is looking to separate you from God. Because one, when you sin, then you, you, you're embarrassed to go to God. You're embarrassed. You're embarrassed or you may be frightened to go to God. Oh, no, I can't. I can't go to God. He's going to whop me upside the head because I sinned. Those bad things are going to happen to me because I didn't answer the lady's question about the vegetable shredder, you know. So I need to go back. You know, that works mentality, that that cause and effect mentality kind of thing that tries to get in there versus the fact that he just loves you. He loves you and is going to be faithful to you. He is faithful when you're not faithful. Amen. But there's a separation that goes on. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, separated themselves. They had a face-to-face relationship. And they had a face-to-face relationship after that. But the relationship was never the same. There was a gap in it. And that's what caused the gap in our relationship with God. And thirdly, death. Temptation will cause death. And it's two types of death. It says brings forth death at the end. And with Adam and Eve, it was a spiritual death. Because remember, Satan says to them, you won't surely die. You know, it's the same thing when, you know, oh, your parents surely won't, you know, hurt you because you let somebody in the house. You won't surely die. But there is a spiritual death chipping away that can go on it says that we are sometimes our conscience is seared with a hot iron and what that means if you got a very bad burn where this the nerves are damaged you can't feel anything anymore you know god can't get in there anymore so if if sin comes in the temptation and you keep going and falling for those temptations then what will happen is that you will surely die your relationship with God will die and then you will surely die because that's your eternity is complete separation from God. I want to read to you um, James 1, 13 through 15 from the Williams translation. And it says in verse, starting with verse 13, no one must say when he is tempted to do evil, I have a temptation from God to do evil. 
For God cannot be tempted to do evil, and he never attempts he never attempts anyone to do so. God never tempts anyone to do evil. So if this thing that's coming pushes you to do evil, you know right then and there where is it coming from. But anyone is tempted to do evil when he is allured by his own evil desire and enticed by a bait. And understand that the bait is going to be something you like. Because if it ain't something you like, you ain't going for it. So it's something that you like. You know, and, uh, you know, every, you know, single people, a lot of times, you know, you know, you're living single and you're living celibate and you get some people can get holier than thou, you know. Oh, I cannot be tempted with that. And I heard a minister say that's only because what you like hasn't come your way yet. The minute what you like comes your way, let's see how you're going to handle that. Amen. That's a true temptation. It's what you like. And then it says in 15, then evil desire conceives and gives birth to sin. And when sin is completed, it brings forth death. That's the Williams translation of James 1, 13 through 15. Temptation leads to separation from God and death. Tests and trials will lead you into abundant life and eternity spent with God. Avoid temptation and rejoice in the tests and trials because they show you are approved of God. Tests and trials and temptations, oh my. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the illumination. We thank you, Father, that you truly bring tests and trials our way so that we know that we are approved or being proven by you. Father God, let us rejoice in them. Let us stand in them and let them have their perfect way, which is to provide patience for us. Father God, we'll avoid the temptations. We understand where they're coming from and that they are challenging the God in us, the word in us, Father God. And we see them for what they are. Father God, we say every Sunday, Satan's works are exposed and defeated. So, Father God, we thank you that you are exposing his works in our lives and that we are defeating them with your spirit and with your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.